This book is my all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. We are convinced the living water changes everything one life at a time. Amen. All right. Blueprint. The reason that we're on this series is because your family or your family structure, not just husband and wife, but whether you are brother or sister, or, or whether it's aunts and uncles, but your family setting is your most powerful place for you to be a witness. And you need to understand that, that it is at the home that it begins. And truly, if we can't be an effective witness in our homes, we will never be an effective witness outside. If we are going to be Christ-like and see Jesus, if it isn't happening in our homes, we skew the gospel. What do I mean by that? We mar the gospel. We cause it not to be seen clearly. When when Christ isn't at the center of our homes, it's like Jesus when he goes to look at the fig tree. Michaela and I were uh, at uh, Walmart the other day, and we ran into just a wonderful uh, brother in Christ. He was black, and he was there in the aisles of Walmart. He had an earpiece in his ear, and he was talking with someone on the phone. He had a shofar under his arm. This guy was serious. And he was talking, and Michaela and I were there, and he was very intent on telling whoever he was speaking with that it was time to live for Jesus. Praise the Lord. That 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 really we needed to be living for the Lord. And finally, after several times of repeating himself, he finally said, can I get a witness? And of course, Michaela and I looked at one another, and he said it again. Can I get a witness? Obviously, the guy on the phone wasn't responding to him. So I looked over at him and I said, you got two witnesses right here. <laughs> and this, this black brother just started dancing before the Lord. And he said to the guy on the phone, I got two witnesses here right with me. <laughs> and we began, we began to rejoice right in the, right in the aisles of Walmart. <laughs> And, and what, I, uh, what the whole thing here, as, as we basically, I embraced him, it was just an immediate spiritual connection. You knew that the Spirit of God was there. There was no question. And so uh, after uh, uh, kind of talking with him some more and Michaela and I going, Michaela and I just said, that was awesome. But listen, your witness as a believer will never be effective like that if you can't minister in your own home. And one of the things this black brother said was, you know, you've got to be like the fig tree. You can't have Jesus come to your tree and find no fruit. He was telling his friend, whoever he was talking with on the phone. And guys, 
wherever you are in your family, whether it's your brother or sister or whether it's your aunt or uncle, your grandparents, whatever relationship God has in your family, if you can't show the love of Christ to them, you need to wonder where the fruit is on your tree. Man, Pastor Brian, that's harsh. No, that's the Word of God because the Word of God says if He's placed His Spirit in you, you have the ability to love. So then it becomes, are you willing to love? So we're talking about blueprint. We're talking about God's plan for your home. And uh, we are going to, again, be addressing, yes, husband and wives. Why? Because that's the core of the home. And it all extends out from there. Even grandparents, it settles around uh, the home. And so uh, we're going to be looking at another passage of Scripture that you may say, well, what kind of Scripture is that? But I want to remind you that remember I said when we started this series, we weren't just going to look at marriage Scriptures because the most simple, basic relationship scriptures in the Bible ought to be applied to your marriage and your home. And in fact, I, I really get disturbed that there is a disconnect when, you, when, when we want to apply the Word of God as Christians to basic relationships and to people that we don't even know, but when we go into our homes, we treat those in our homes like dirt. And it's not a Christ-like thing. And it does not bring glory to God. And in fact, it's a reproach. And when people see it, they say, I don't want Christianity. That's not what I want. Even if they aren't living it, they know what it's not. So uh, we want to look at this passage of Scripture as this morning we talk about communication. Uh, we're going to be, uh, this is a two-part series on this one in Blueprint, so Jill will be speaking with me next week, but we're talking about communication today. Communication has everything to do with your home. How you are communicating in your home says much about your relationship with Christ and with one another. So we're going to look at, can you hear me now? All of you probably can remember, it hasn't been that long ago, that cute commercial with the phone with talking about 4G. Can you hear me now? Well, the point is, in communication, even when you're not speaking, you're communicating. In fact, one of the greatest things I was ever told as a teenager in English and speech class, Mr. Foss drilled this into me, and it's true. When you, it's just a good principle. You can write it down. You cannot not communicate. If you think by closing your mouth you're not communicating, you're absolutely wrong. You cannot not communicate. We are communicating all the time with something, with what is being displayed, exuberated out of us. We are communicating. And by the way, by not talking, that is a form of communication. 
Nothing says that better than having the husband and wife grab the covers and each pull and turn to the separate way. Well, I didn't say anything. Well, you didn't need to. (laughs) Nothing becomes more apparent than having Thanksgiving dinner and having it so quiet you can hear a pin drop. So you cannot not communicate. So we are going to be looking at the fact that what really it is, is when you say, can you hear me now, you are being heard by everyone around you. And when we talk about Uh, communicating and about having Christ-like communication come out of us, the portion of Scripture we're looking at is Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to read 17 through 32. Now, this is a lengthy passage of Scripture, and again, you may say, well, how are you going to get communication out of this? But trust me, let's uh, go along on the journey here as we look at Ephesians chapter 4, starting at verse number 17. This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart, and they have become callous and have themselves and have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, Just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one body. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good, in order that he may have something to share with him who is in need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as it is good for the edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And be kind and to one another, 
tender-hearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Praise the Lord, what a, a, just a great portion of Scripture. And when we're talking about can you hear me now, there are four principles that I am going to ask that you walk in if you want your communication to change in your home, in your relationship. And again, I will tell you, these uh, principles that we are applying are not just applicable to your home or to your marriage or to a relationship of a blood relative, but they are also uh, uh, applicable to the most common relationship. So if you're here, you can apply these not just to your home, but also to others. But again, I will tell you, oftentimes we apply them to everyone but our home. So let's start there, okay? Okay. So the first thing we're going to talk about, the first principle that we need to do, and this has to do with the inside of our hearts, and that is we have to put on the new self. It talks about it in 17 through 24, and really uh, verse number 18 also uh, captures this. Uh, or, or I'm sorry, not verse number 18, but 28. So 17 through 24 and verse 28 captures this because if Christ is there in your life, if you've really put on the new self, something different is going to come out. And if you haven't put on the new self, there's either one of two things that is happening. You're either needing to really go back and say, Lord, did I really receive you into my heart and did you place your spirit in me? Or did I just say some magic words and thought that I was going to be changed? Or you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. One of the two. You say, well, Pastor Brian, what are you doing? You you causing me to question my salvation? No. But I am asking this. If you are walking in your life and you see no evidence of the Spirit of God, you need to ask yourself, am I saved? Wow, Pastor Brian, that's not a way to grow a church. No, but it is good theology, and it is scriptural. And so, putting on the new self, what is that all about? And Pastor Brian, what has that got to do with communicating? Because this is the point. Jesus says, what is in the inside of you will come out of your mouth. We are experts at saying, well, I know I said that, but I really didn't mean that. But the Word of God says, you really need to evaluate whether that was in your heart, because if you said it, you need to be concerned whether it's really there. (laughs) See, 
This challenges us because really we like to say, well, you know, we like to throw those words out there and then say, I just, I was joking, I didn't mean it. Well, if you go back just a little bit further in, uh, or a little ahead in Ephesians chapter 5, it says we shouldn't even be letting coarse joking occur. Well, move on, Pastor Brian, will (laughs) you? So here we are, and truly if we've put on the new self, if the new self is there, then the content of my communication changes. Now I am not telling you that every word that comes out of our mouth as a believer isn't needing to be sometimes correct, corrected because we are imperfect people and, and we sin. But what I'm talking about is if the pattern of your life is always, if the communication pattern of your life is that all you spew out is the old nature, something's wrong. You're not putting on the new self. You're not walking in the attitude, in the mind of Christ. We call ourselves spirit-filled believers, and yet I'm challenged in my own self how much I really rely on the Holy Spirit. Do I even invite the Spirit to say, evaluate my conversation, Lord? So put on the new self. That is the first principle. If you want your communication to change, Put on the new self. That is exactly what Scripture says. And what is the new self? In verse 24, it says, It is in the likeness of God created in righteousness, holiness, and truth. Everything, that, that, that does not mean you walk around in ooey-gooey love and you never correct someone or you never discipline your children or all of that. Understand. But it means when you're disciplining or when you're even upset about something, that whatever comes out of your mouth will be in the likeness of God and in righteousness and in holiness and in truth. And when it's not, I say, Lord, I've made a mistake. I've fallen short. I've sinned. See, that that truly is something we have to get a hold of. We don't like saying it. We say anything else but I've sinned. I I, I know I've talked to you about this, but truly in the church we are experts like Fonzarelli, if you've ever seen Happy Days. He just can't bring himself to say, I was woo-woo. <laughs> I was woo-woo. <laughs> and wrong just won't come out of his mouth. But when you're wrong and when you've sinned, and, and Jill and I have continued over the years to work on this in our relationship and in our home, that we say, you know what? That was sin. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Call it for what it is. If it's a bad attitude, if it's just that you're, uh, you know, that's sin. 
Oh, well, they ought to understand me better than that. <laughs> well, they do understand you. <laughs> so put on the new self. The first thing to do, put on the new self, which, again, understand the new self is not you doing it in your power. It's the Holy Spirit in you doing it in his power. You say, how do I get that power, Pastor Brian? You will never get it until you willfully step out and say yes and agree with God. This is where I think a lot of people refuse uh, or, or they either don't know how to grow. They say, well, God, I'm here. I love the Lord. If God wants to change me, he'll change me. Well, that doesn't happen that way. God loves you. Yes, he loves everybody. So love the world. But, but God does want you also to grow. But here's the thing. God won't force anyone. It's not how his Holy Spirit works. His Holy Spirit is a perfect gentleman. He will wait. And you, if you are here and you have the relationship with Jesus, you have the Spirit of God in you. That's what the Word of God says in Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. Write that down. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. It says that if you're saved, you have the Spirit of God. And so we need to start training ourselves to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit hasn't talked to you today, you need to say, what's up? And if you haven't talked to the Holy Spirit, you need to start. I know people will think you're nuts. Because they look at me in my car. I have conversations with the Lord in my car. If you ever see me out on the road by myself, I'm not going crazy. <laughs> I am speaking to the Lord. <laughs> Because I have found that if I don't be that specific to say, Lord, why is that attitude in me? Holy Spirit, what's going on in me? You say, well, why would I do that? Because the Holy Spirit is God. He's a real person. He's not just a thing out there. He's part of the Godhead. And he wants to talk to you. So let the power of the Holy Spirit do it in you. Okay, the second principle, and that is each one of you speak truth. Look at this passage. Look at this verse with me. 25. He just says it's so simple. Speak truth, each one of you. Speak truth. You will never stop Telling lies and stories if that's all you concentrate on. You'll never do it. Well, how will I ever change? Speak truth. Say, I am going to speak the truth with the power of the Spirit's help. I am walking and speaking truth. Speak the truth. By the way, this also is a passage where in Ephesians it tells you how, and of course you see that in love, because I know our human tendency, when we say speak the truth, 
we say, well, I told them the truth. They didn't like it. <laughs> so we're going to address that a little bit later in this sermon. <laughs> so I won't, I'll, I'll let that go. But the point is, speaking the truth does not give you the license to roughshod over everybody just because you know what truth is. So when you speak the truth, you need to still do it in an attitude of Christ. You still need to do it in Christ-likeness. But this is something that is extremely important. Let me talk to you about this. Do you know, and this is uh, experts that are far greater than my understanding uh, goes, with, uh, with how human beings respond. God's created us with a mind and emotions and all those things. But experts that study communication, this is what they will tell you. 35% of every bit of our communication is tone and inflection. 35%, write that down. 58% of our communication is nonverbal. Do you understand now why someone can be angry at you without saying a word? Do you understand why people know what your mood is without you saying a word? Do you understand when 93% of all of our communication comes without us saying anything. No wonder we need that new life and that new heart because Jesus says, if you have garbage in, garbage will come out. And when you're told to speak the truth, the only way that will happen is if you walk in the spirit and the newness of life. So, speak the truth. That's the second principle. It sounds simple, but you'll be amazed at what really happens to your communication. So that, by the way, leaves only 7% of our communicating with one another that are words. Now, I love that because the English language is very difficult for me. I mean, truly, and I have, I've heard this, and I, I won't go on forever with this, but what other language can you have three ways to spell two, and all of them are spelled differently, and all of them mean different things? Do you understand how complicated and complex the English language is? So I'm saying if 7% of our communication is, is words, that gives me great hope. <laughs> because as you've heard me from time to time, I have words that don't come out of my mouth the right way. I hear them in my head. I hear them very clearly. And when they come out my mouth, I think, what did I just say? <laughs> But hopefully that gives you hope too. But here's the hope. It's Christ in you. The hope of glory. How are you going to speak in truth? How are you going to take that 93% of nonverbal communication and make it Christ-like? By having His Spirit in here. By having His Spirit in here. 
Okay, third principle. Put away anger. Put it away. That's what it says in verse number 30. To put, or I'm sorry, verse number 31. To put it away. Put away. And by the way, also we can go up to 26 and 27 because that has to do with putting away anger. It does say that if you are angry, don't let the sun go down. Remaining angry. So when you read in this passage of Scripture in 31 where it says get rid of bitterness and wrath. Where do bitterness and wrath come from? They come from anger that has been sat on for days, sometimes years, sometimes a long decade, two decades, and bitterness comes out. When you let the sun go down on your anger and you don't take care of it, you don't think that hinders your communication in your family, you're wrong. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And it says sin not, and I, I have to just be honest, I may have maybe been angry at some point and not sin, but I can't tell you of one. I'm telling you, most of the time when I'm angry, I'm in what the Bible calls my anger in James is moral filth. Now think about that. The Bible says my anger is moral filth. If, if, when I think of it like that, I think, oh man, I don't want to get angry. <laughs> but don't let the sun put it away. And, and you've heard me say this, but I'm going to say it again. Just let it go. Nothing is that important that it would stop the relationship of the Holy Spirit in you. And that's what he says. He says, Do you, don't you realize you grieve, in verse number 30, the Holy Spirit of God? And if we ever wondered whether the Holy Spirit was a person, He grieves when we do things. The only way you can grieve is if you're a person. And, and to, to make an analogy, whether it be someone in your home or your children, or you know when, you're, when your child or a member of your family does something that just hurts your heart, you get grieved. And, and that's what it says the Holy Spirit does. When we're angry, it brings him grief. Why? Because you're stopping the witness of Christ. You, there, there is no witness. When I'm angry, people can't see Jesus. Put it away. It doesn't mean you can't correct things that need to be corrected. It doesn't mean you don't stand up for truth. But you do it in love. You do it without anger. There's nothing more powerful than looking at your child and saying, Honey, I love you. I know that you're, you're upset. And I'm not going to change my mind. Because this is what truth is. But doing it that way versus in a way that brings 
strife and, and yelling and screaming. It brings no, by the way, James says, my anger, in James 1.20, he says, my anger will never bring about the righteous life God desires. Never. Do you hear that? It's never appropriate. There will never be a time where my anger as a human being will bring about God's righteous life that he requires or desires. So, put it aside. Put on the new self. Speak the truth, each one of you. And then, put away anger. Now the last one, principle number four. Speak as is good. Now, what do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to do some anger photos for you. (laughs) And, by the way, ladies, it's not just our guys that have anger issues. (laughs) Because it can get just as bad on the other side as it can with us guys. And anytime we are walking in anger, we don't please the Lord. Okay, here's the next one. Sometimes it's better just not to say anything at all. And, and I know that that, uh, that, that kind of, uh, I mean, you still can see our nonverbal, but if they're already seeing your nonverbal, don't open your mouth for heaven's sakes. <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, if your ver- nonverbal is already saying it, just... If you've got to do it, do it. (laughs) Put your hand over your mouth if you have to. And what this means is speak as it is good. 29 and 30 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good. For edification. Wow, that's a different way of putting it. You mean when I speak of something, I ought to be thinking of that other person's edification? When I'm on the freeway, I don't think that. (laughs) I am not thinking of edifying people. (laughs) I mean, does anybody else out there relate to that? (laughs) But what the Word of God says is I need to be considering what would be edifying to them, and truly, I don't have a clue often why someone else is feeling the way they are or looking the way they are or saying what they are. The only thing I can control is what I will say and how I respond. The Bible says in Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath. When we were in our home, we did it this way for our kids. We asked them the question, are you being a pillow or are you being a wall? Because you grab a Super Bowl and you stand at a wall and you chuck it as hard as you can and that thing goes, hits everybody in the room about ten times. But if you're a pillow and you take that Super Bowl and you let it go, it just usually hits and rolls to the ground. 
And so what we can control is not other people, but what will come out of my mouth and how I will respond. Holy Spirit, that's what you've asked me to control. That's important because, again, God doesn't need deputies. God doesn't need you to put the badge of the deputy Holy Spirit on and go around and correct everybody. He needs you to manage yourself. He needs you to listen to him, and when he says, don't say that, don't say it. And when he says, no, you're feeling anger, you don't say, no, I'm not. You say, you know what, Lord, you're right. Or whatever the motion is. You say, man, Pastor Brian, this is hard. It's, it's meat. It is meat. I'm not giving you fluff today, but I, I, I want to give you this perspective. It is not hard if you turn it to the Lord. So again, the Lord is not asking you to do it in your strength. What he's asking is, are you willing to say, yes, Lord, I desire. Will you do it in me and step out? And I guarantee you, the next time that that happens, if you say, if you're saying, Lord, I will speak the truth, he will empower you with the Holy Spirit. It's there. If you've never felt the power of the Holy Spirit, it's most oftentimes when I don't feel the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I'm either walking in my flesh totally, or I haven't said, yes, Lord, yet. Because when I say yes, he empowers me. But if I try to fight it and do it in my own strength, I'm miserable and everyone else around me is miserable. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, you would think that, I mean, we're Pentecostal. We're assemblies of God. I mean, come on, we've got to have the Spirit, but... It's really that amazing that though, even though we say we're people of the Spirit, how little we follow the Spirit. How little we listen to the Spirit. How little we really expect the Spirit to speak to us. You say, well, that's kind of weird to me. Well, you better get used to it because the Word of God declares it. Put on the new self. Speak the truth, each one of you. Put away anger. Speak as is good. It says, according to the need of the moment. These four principles will absolutely revolutionize your communication. If you will say, Lord, help me. And this is what God can't do. He will not act until you act. This is what I'm saying. He will not empower you until you say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. 
when you say yes, Lord, it, it, by the way, saying yes to the Lord doesn't mean you're going to do it right 100% of the time. Give one another grace. Because I have often found that even when I do it a couple of times, I get real excited and then I get sloppy. And I go back to my old, just going on autopilot. If we train ourselves for everything else in life, why won't we train ourselves spiritually? You train for a career and you don't even bat an eye for it. You spend hours, money, everything, but we won't invest an ounce of effort. We won't, out, we won't invest a penny of finances and we won't invest a second of time in growing spiritually. If we don't do that, we will remain spiritually babies for the rest of our life. And that's pretty embarrassing. And God doesn't want us there. God wants us to say, you know... Yes, this is meat, but Lord, you've given me your Holy Spirit, and I'm going to act now, and I'm going to say yes, Lord. I'm going to say yes, and my communication in my home is going to be a light for Jesus Christ. It's not going to be perfect, but it will be a light for Jesus. Bow your head with me this morning.